0: because you are in the hoodwood. I'm the Black Band KJ Green welcoming you to another edition of Sports from the Hoodwood. Coming up it's the season premiere season 11 and we will talk about Deion Sanders. The magic is back or has it ever really left? Go in-depth in that Colorado shocking upset of TCU. Was the loss by the US team in the FIBA World Cup a good thing ahead of the quarters and semis? Dive in-depth on how they are looking to take the finale and the goal. The Major League Baseball stretch run is here. The pennant races that you should be watching will have NFL Week 1 the rest of the picks. I know I did Thursday last week, but we'll do all the rest of the picks for Week 1. We'll have that with a good hot five, fat dap, head slap, and a ton of takes. It's a new season, same old look. Snubby wants a new board, will he get it? You never know. Sportsman what when it's coming at you. Put on your crash helmets, buckle your seat belts get ready. Let's go! 11 Seasons. It's another start of another season for Sports from the Hoodwood. Glad you came along for the ride. I'm your man KJ Green and what can I say? I'm glad you're with me. If you're watching on YouTube and seeing my hats and my Hoodwood attire, greetings. If you're just listening on the podcast, I bring you salutations and greetings no matter where you are. Smash that subscribe and like button. We'll get into all the details of how you can contact the show later on. Let's lead off with the topic that most folks in sports have been talking about. The shocking, and I do say shocking, intro of Deion Sanders, Coach Prime at Colorado. And I will admit, I thought Deion jumping to Colorado was a mistake. I mean, he had built a powerhouse at Jackson State, and you knew he was going to go to a big-time program. Like kind of hoped that he was going to jump to my alma mater Cincinnati, but I thought no, he's going to go somewhere where the spotlight could be totally on him, and everybody can be talking about him so he wouldn't have to compete with a Major League Baseball team, or a football team, or in Cincinnati's case, a top-notch MLS team. He wants a spotlight to himself, and the spotlight ain't going to be on him. He ain't, he ain't going to look for it. So being in Boulder, Colorado was probably going to be the best bet and the best fit for him. And he basically tore up Colorado's roster. Maybe he was like, oh, he let people go. He just ran people off and everything. Colorado was 1-11 last year. Let's let's just keep everything 100-100, as the kids say. Colorado was terrible last year. He basically remade that roster and brought some dogs in there, brought some really great transfers, Travis Hunter, his son Shador, his his son Shiloh. And among other, he had 86 new players. I mean, he basically remade that entire Buffalo's roster. And I, I say, I say before that I thought him jumping to Colorado was a mistake. And and I'm not like the supposed Dr. Kumar Johnson was saying uh, he should have stayed at HBU, HBCU to draw players and other former NFL players to the coaching ranks. I touched on that in a uh, a previous show, the Final Word. I was very critical of Dr. Umar Johnson because of that. And I, you know, if he wanted to move to Colorado, wanted to go to a different school, so be it. I thought going to Boulder was a mistake and that it would take a long time to turn the Buffaloes into a respectable team. I thought this being a large-scale, long-term project would not be something that Deion Sanders would have the patience or stomach to see all the way through. I didn't doubt Coach Prime's Ability or acumen as coaching. I think he's fine, coach. I think he's a fine motivator. But I did question him moving to a mid tier Power Five school. With the one game, one game, those doubts have been quashed, quelled, if you will. The Buffaloes went to 17th ranked Texas Christian in Fort Worth and won a thrilling 45 42 shootout in Fort Worth at Carter Stadium. And this was a game that Colorado was a Three touchdown underdog, Not three points. I said three touchdowns. 21 points. Now the Buffs scored on their opening drives. And they stood toe-to-toe with 17th-ranked Horned Frogs. Basically slugging it out in the hot Texas sun. In front of the Shockton Sullen and, and G Carter Stadium crowd. The Buffs and Frogs traded scores in an absolute shootout. The Bulls took a 17-14 halftime lead and then increased it to 10 on a brilliant pass from Shadour Sanders to, uh, and he, he basically was making any kind of throw he wanted. He was 38 for 47, and he threw for 510 yards. Let me repeat that, 510 yards in one game for the day. Sanders threw for 5'10 and four scores on 38 of 47 passing. It's an absolute mind bending performance. And a lot of people were saying, oh, well, Sanders was making all that kind of uh, the kind of numbers playing at Jackson State. That's an HBCU. He's not gonna do anything. Uh-uh-uh. Sa- Sanders made people look stupid. He was throwing the ball at will. And he made the frogs, and I will give you give it credit. The Frog's suspect defense made me even more suspect, but it's a D1 school. It's a team that went to the national championship last year. This wasn't a team that was just, you know, some geek off the street. This was a decent, like, like I said, a, a Big 12 school that is pretty good. Now, the Frogs did fight back into the game, Score scores uh, with two scores of their own uh, in the third quarter to take the lead, but the Buffs retook the lead in the fourth with Dylan Edwards notching his third score of the day. Now the Frogs countered the score, pushed the pushed the lead back to uh, a four-point lead for the for the uh, Horn Frogs, but the Buffs parried that score with another Sanders TD pass. The score kept going up and up. Carter Stadium crowds watching disbelief, and the national TV audience gasped for air. The game has seen everything but an ending, and the Buffs got the Sanders, to Dylan Edwards connection working again with a 46-yard touchdown pass late in the fourth quarter. Uh, Morris of the of the uh, frogs threw a back-breaking interception late, and the Buffs walked away with a 45-42 win. Now, Coach Prime was not succinct in his very withering criticism.
1: Shador broke a single a single For game. real? Shador seen. Sanders from a HBCU? Absolutely.
2: The one that played the
1: Jackson last
0: year? The one, that, played at
1: Jackson
2: the one year. that you asked me, why would I give him the starting job? But like I never that. Asked. I no, asked. not you. I never I got asked. receipts. I know who they are. I never not asked. Not you, baby
1: I just gotta say it. I would never ask. I would never do that. Yep My question. He broke a single a single wow. record for Colorado for five hundred and ten yards. Um at what point do you get to take off your coach hat and put on
2: your dad hat and actually get to like, well, just enjoy what you saw? He and Shiloh just came uh, when I was in the training room getting my foot worked on. He and Shiloh just came, and of course, Junior was filming it. So we had a dad moment. They were really happy, uh, elated. Shiloh came in there being apologetic. Because he, he noticed a couple of tackles he missed. I'm on his butt right now. But he said he had 10 tackles, and I checked the stats, and he, I think he did. So. But I was just dad in there uh, moments ago, and I'm proud of uh, both of them, really. I really am. And, and, and Junior, as his work shows. His work is why well, some of you are here. Uh, they went to work as well. We got to clean up some things, but those guys, were, I think they played a pretty good game. What do you, what do you say to people that, that question the transfer for get rid of all the kids? Some respects, <laughs> you see you, can you do it? You know, Turn on the film. Your math, you know, I tell them to turn on the film. We're gonna we're gonna continuously be questioned because we do things that have never been done. That's the way our life has presented itself. We do things that have never been done, and that makes people uncomfortable. When you see a, a confident black man sitting up here talking his talk, walking his walk, coaching seventy-five percent African Americans in the locker room, that's kind of threatening. Oh, they don't like that. But guess what? We gonna consistently do what we do because I'm here and it ain't going nowhere, and I'm about to get comfortable in a minute. I'm about to get comfortable in a minute. And he was especially tough
0: on Ed Werder of ESPN. What's up, Bob You
2: believe that? You, you, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, no. Do you believe in that? Huh? Oh, no, no, no. I read through that bull junk you wrote. I, I read through that. I sifted through all that. Yeah. Oh, no. Come on. Do you believe? You don't believe? You just answered it. You don't believe? Next question.
0: Now, many media pundits were quite annoyed with all of this. Dion all but said that the chickens had come home roost, and if the now-ranked Buffs get beat by old uh, Big Eight rival Nebraska in their home opener, you can be for sure they're gonna pile on him something fierce. But for right now. Coach Prime is looking mighty fine. Now, lost in all of this was a brilliant play of Travis Hunter, who had 11 catches for 119 yards on offense, three tackles, a pass defense, and an interception on defense. He played both ways and played damn well, if I do say so myself. Shadur's older brother, Shiloh, had 10 tackles. Jimmy Horn Jr. had 11 catches of his own for a buck 17 and a score. The final verdict that I'm saying about Coach Prime in Colorado is—he has every right to, to, you know, thump his chest a little bit because a lot of people were saying, "Oh wow, you know, it's going to be off, you know, you know, fine until they step on the field and play face a real team and get their brains beat in." Keep in mind, TCU on its way to its national championship bid la- uh, last year, getting to the national championship game, beat this team thirty-eight to three. Beat them. In Colorado, now for the Buffs to come into Fort Worth and knock them off—that's saying something. And the Buffs, while I won't say, oh, they're for real, they're a national championship contender or anything—they've opened a lot of eyes. Sanders has opened a lot of eyes, and he has a—he has every right to start pointing fingers and saying, "Y'all didn't believe. Now what?" The old Cincinnati basketball coach, Bob Huggins, used to say, there's no such thing as a good loss. You can't learn from a loss. He hated losing. And when a team took a loss, when one of his teams would take a loss, and reporters would ask him, you know, this is a good loss? You know, saying, can you learn from this? And he'd look annoyed and say, there's no such thing as a good loss. A loss is a loss. In the case of the U.S. men's national team in the FIBA World Cup, I might be inclined to disagree with the coach's assessment on that. They the the uh, basically in the uh, pool stage, they had already clinched a berth into the quarterfinals. They had won their group and had no real need for you know a win or loss. It didn't really matter. The game being against. Uh, they had no real need for the win or loss against Lithuania. They figured this was going to be a tune-up game work kinks out. Now, Lithuania was a team that they figured would maybe be somebody they could maybe run across in the semifinals or finals of the FIBA World Cup. So they thought that the U.S. men's national team was trying not to show their cards. They lost to Lithuania 110-104 to on Sunday, the 3rd. Now, Lithuania in the quarterfinals on the opposite side of the bracket of the U.S. You figure they're going to see them in the finals. Small problem. Lithuania tripped against Serbia and lost. They're out. USA bounced back strong, whipped Italy 166 to move on to the semifinals. Now, in the semifinals, hmm, and we'll see what happens for the finals, which will be Sunday. Will they be facing Canada? Will they be facing Serbia? A pair of teams that slipped through in the quarterfinals for a semifinal matchup. Now, a lot of people thought Slovenia and Lithuania were going to face off in the semis with the winner getting the U.S., Canadians being a stronger team than a lot of people expected, and the plucky uh, Serbs also knocking off heavily favored Lithuania, who thought they were going to have an easy road to the final. Things get funny in international competition, but US has a strong team. Not as strong as, say, the Olympic Dream teams, but strong enough where they may be able to take the World Cup final. We'll see you on Sunday, and I'll have a report next week. Let's take our first time out. Come back with Major League Baseball. Down the stretch they come. That's not that's horse racing, ain't it? It doesn't matter. We'll take a look at the major league baseball races that you should keep an eye on. It's only two two or three weeks left in the season and things are heating up. Sports from the Hood will look at all the, we'll, <laughs> I messed that up. Sports from the Hood will look at it all. When we return. We'll be right back.
1: Is today your last day on Earth because you are being deployed to space tomorrow? Have you just turned 18 and you're ready to get out of your parents' house? Has your granddaughter gotten her boyfriend pregnant? Whatever your reason, you need us at gottagetmarriednow.com. We specialize in last-minute weddings. Active duty, military veterans and retired discounts are available. Visit us at gottagetmarriednow.com.
0: back in the hoodwood. My name is K.J. Green, and I'm not going to bust out in song and saying this is the most wonderful time of the year. I always think that's March with March Madness, but for a sports junkie like myself with NFL season starting up, picks to be coming in the next segment, hint, 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 foreshadowing, but you have also with the FIBA World Cup going on, which only happens once every four years, but still, you have that, and you have the absolutely acidic hot red hot races in Major League Baseball this I think is one of the best times of the year to be a sports fan now with the Major League Baseball pennant races on tap you have some of the division races are pretty much settled affairs but you have some races which are absolutely nuclear hot you have teams that are jousting and a lot of these are do or die you know there aren't any safety nets for some of these pennant races because you lose, you might very well go home. Now, in the AL West, which is one of the hot pennant races, the here's the history that, that the uh, the Mariners are trying to make. Since the division era began in 1969, only six teams have ever rallied from a 10-game deficit after the All-Star break to win the division. 69 Mets, 73 Mets, 78 Yankees, 93 Braves ran uh, ran down a great Giants team, 95 Mariners, and 06 Twins. Now, with... The cases of all of the first, all these teams, they ran down big deficits and didn't have a safety net to fall back on, do or die. With the cases of Mets, Yankees, and Braves, they were trying to win a division. They had to finish first or they were going to go home. In the case of the 95 Mariners, they didn't have a chance, they didn't have they had the wild card, but they didn't have that to fall back on because the Yankees had a better record. So them the Angels jousting back and forth, it was going to be win or go home. The Mariners ended up winning that one-game playoff uh, after the Angels more or less collapsed down the stretch. And the 06 Twins also didn't have a wild card to fall back on because this was the era of the Yankees and the Red Sox constantly trading off winning the wild card. And there was only one wild card to get. So that AO Central race came down to the final day of the season with the Twins pulling it out. Since the sixth division wild card era began in 95, only the 95 Mariners and the 06 Twins and the 2012 Athletics have won a division title after trailing by at least 10 games at any point in July. That being said, you have three teams in the AL West that are jousting. Uh, You have the Rangers, Astros, and Mariners. All of them shifting back and forth. Now, with the wild card still in play, you already have one of those spots already more or less claimed by whoever loses out in the AL divisional race between the Orioles and the Rays. But you have three teams within a game of one another. And they've been basically shifting back and forth. Getting that division title may be key. Because the one who wins that division will automatically get to the divisional round. They won't have to play in the wild card round. Now whoever finishes in that top wild card spot will host the wild card round in the first round. Finishing third, you may have to go on the road and play two, if not three, road games in the wildcard round. That's the spot that these teams are trying to desperately to avoid. Now you have a team like the Twins, who are pushing away from the Guardians at AL Central. They may not have a worse record, but they will at least have the comfort of knowing that they will host the wildcard round. But two of these AL West teams may not get that benefit. They may get shoved down to that fifth or sixth spot and have to go on the road for the wild card round. Stay tuned. Now in the NL you have the wild card there, the third wild card spot I should say, and that is just as much of a mess as any as the AL is, AL West is. AL and NL will set it up like this: you have the Dodgers, you have the Brewers, you have the you have the Braves. All three of those teams pretty much comfortable in their divisional lead they're going to playoffs. Then in the wild card spots you have the Phillies and you have the Cubs. Both of them out of the NL Central pushing away kind of from the pack to claim the first two wild card spots. Then you have that third wild card spot and you have not one, not two, not three, not what four teams. I almost said five. You have four teams within a game of one another fighting for one spot. Four teams Four don't go into one, you got you get egg roll that way. But those it was six, you get egg roll. I'd ask my mom about that. Anyway, but you have four teams trying to get one spot. You have the Giants, you have the Diamondbacks, you have the Reds, and you have the Marlins. So you have four teams from three divisions trying to get into one spot. And that sixth spot, more than likely, you'll end up having to play the Brewers in Milwaukee in the first round. Good luck! But... These teams don't care if they have to play on the road. It's just getting there. Get to the postseason and let the chips fall where they may. This is an absolute fun time to watch baseball. Because with less than 20 games to play, a losing streak now will kill a team's chances. Ask the Angels. They fell apart at the wrong time. Had to sell off most of their parts. The Reds have been up and down. Round and round. You don't know whether they're going to play good or bad. They puzzlingly, puzzlingly, puzzling, puzzling, curiously I should say. Try that again. They curiously are playing worse at home than they are on the road. Which makes no sense. But they may have the inside track because they have only one team that they face for the rest of the season with a winning record down the stretch. My beloved. Twins. The Giants and the Diamondbacks are pushing around, pushing each other around in the, in the NL West. They still have to face one another. So those could be elimination games. The Marlins are just another tricky bunch. You don't know if they're going to put everything together. They've got a young squad, don't know any better. Same thing with the Reds. That's another team that's a young squad. Both of those teams, I still say, have an outside shot. I hate to say it but I don't think the Reds are going to have the juice to get all the way to the finish line and get that third wild card spot. My money's on the Giants that's a you know a, a team with a lot of unknown players but they play really well together the whole way through and I think Gabe Kapler's squad was is enough to get them to the to the finish line to get that third wild card spot. But still a lot a lot of playoff A lot of playoff. (laughs) I tried that again. It's still a lot of baseball left to go. We've only got two, we only got three weeks, about 20 games. Hold on tight because it's gonna be a wild ride. Now I don't want to seem like I'm being a dead horse, but this Luis Rubiales thing just will not go away. The embattled uh, Royal Federation Spanish football president is still under fire and still has not resigned, though a lot of people, Hoodwood included, say he should resign. Get lost, dude. Quit. Quit while you're ahead. But anyway, Rubiales still has refused to resign and going so far, doing so far to involve his mother in it his mother went on a hunger strike in a church protesting what she felt was unfair treatment of her son. Now, I'm all about moms taking care of their sons and looking out for them because I know my mom would look out for me pretty much on anything, but I know my mom would tell on me if I did something wrong and be the first one to call me out. Ruby Alice's mother, you know, no disrespect. You you need to step back on that, ma'am. Please. But... The Rubiales situation has gotten even more crazier and it's taken another bizarre turn. The Royal Federation of Football of Spain has sacked Jorge Vilda less than three weeks after Spain won the Women's World Cup. Now tell me if this makes any sense. You win the Women's World Cup and then they fire you. But Vilda was seen as a close ally of Rubiales and the Spanish team had went on strike last year to protest his treatment of the players and what they felt was inadequate lodging and and, um, and compensation. Vilda is seen as an ally of Rubiales. Rubiales and and Vilda did not defend so much in so many words Rubiales' actions, as you were, may recall. Rubiales is being under fire for his non-consensual kiss of Jenny Hermioso at the conclusion of the Women's World Cup just a couple of weeks ago. That being said, Vilda did not come out saying that he thought Rubiales' actions were wrong. He basically said nothing, which in this case, silence is tantamount to pretty much acceptance. And Vilda should have said something. It may have cost him his job either way, but at least coming out and saying what Ruby Alice did was wrong needed to be said. Oddly enough, I read that one of the staunch supporters of Ruby Alice is longtime movie engineer and director Woody Allen. Now, that dude has enough, enough perv problems of his own. If those with no game. Sure, not shot call. But anyway. Allen came out saying it was just a kiss and it was no harm done. What was that? That was your daughter. I'm not even going to go down that road. We'll leave that one alone. Rubialis really needs to go. And Sacking Vilda really doesn't help anything. Because he's still going to be under fire. Let's take another time out. Come back with the NFL picks. going to be broken up in two parts. But... 16 games on the docket what team do you like what team do i like everybody knows who i like but what teams do you think i'm gonna pick picks are right in front of you well, right in front of me they're straight ahead sportsman who will
1: come back at you after this i'm actor rajim a gross some of the
2: Studios would like to scan our images and only pay us for one day's worth of work and be able to use our likenesses, our voices, our mannerisms as computer-generated characters Not only in the movie that we might be filming in, but in all future films as well that's not fair and I thank the SAG board members that are fighting for my rights as an actor to work on a union film. So I just want to say standing
1: in complete solidarity with everyone. Thank you. You are tuned in to Sports from the Hoodwood, the internet's foremost location for opinion, analysis, and insight on the world of sports. Here now is the man banned from sports trivia contests in 38 states and 4 Canadian provinces, and not to mention Guam. Your host, KJ Green.
0: NFL Picks Week 1 Take 2, I'm not recording, sound speed. You are back in the Hoodwood. And let's get it started like the old 90s R&B group Porter used to say, here we go again. It's time to buckle up for another wild year in the NFL. The Chiefs are bound and determined to defend their title they won, beating the Eagles, but there are 31 other teams that are looking to knock them off their perch as champs. Some have better chances than others to be sure but at the beginning of the season everyone has that optimism of a new season now last year i did i did okay going 167 98 and three number two ties and a no contest on that back end so once again for your review perusal approval please note the following picks for the opening weekend of the 2023 nfl season the, uh, the odds are being provided by ESPN for entertainment and comparison purposes only. I state that every week so that no one gets the idea of trying to blame me if they bet the lines and get beaten. I don't pay bookies for bad bets, and I will not hesitate to rat you out. I'm no snitch, but I sympathize with bookies more easily and readily. Let's get it started with the games of Sunday, September 11th. This is a doubleheader on both Fox and CBS. Check your local listings for the games in your area. You can also consult 506sports.com, who has a excellent coverage maps of the games in your area. Now I'm going to be listing records from 2022, not since I can't say who what record because everybody's zero and zero right now, so it's easier just to say the records from last year. Let's get started. With the 312 one Texans taking on the 10-7 Ravens game being played at M&T Bank Stadium in Baltimore, 1 p.m. kickoff on CBS, the Ravens are 10-point favorites. Now the fast fact is that the Baltimore Ravens allowed 18.5 points in 2022. Meanwhile, the Texans scored 289 points in all of 2022. That only averages out to 17 points. Exactly. I did the math, and 17 times 17 is 289. Now, the Texans are building, albeit slowly but surely, with the cornerstone of C.J. Stroud at quarterback, but facing the Ravens is not the easiest tonic to swallow to that end. Now, Lamar Jackson looks eager to prove that he is worthy of the immense bag that he got in the offseason. Meanwhile, the aforementioned C.J. Stroud can watch and see what he can become if he stays healthy and gross in this game. For now, asking him to do anything more than survive against a free-willing Baltimore defense with that weak offense, short of the solid Davion Price, might be asking a little bit too much. We'll get it off the top, right out of the bag. Baltimore is the Hoodwood Lock of the Week. Our next game on the docket is 12-4 Bengals, taking on the 7-10 Browns. Game being played at First Energy Stadium in Cleveland, one o'clock kickoff on CBS. The Bengals are two-and-a-half-point favorites. Fast-fact that this is the 100th meeting between these in-state rivals. The Bengals lead the series 52-47, but the Browns have won five of the last six. The team that Joe Burrow has seemingly has the hardest time with is in his own state. The Browns have a few flashy new acquisitions, but one has to wonder if they can match the high-powered Bengals point-for-point. Now, the last time the Bengals came to Cleveland, they were dealt a humbling beating on Monday Night Football, but then they didn't lose for close to two months. The Bengals are notorious for their slow starts, and once again, Burrow has to work off injury rust. Will this be a portent of bad things? I'm going to ignore the perpetual bad feelings I get from this matchup and think for once that the Bengals start off the season in the right way. The pick here is Cincinnati. Next on the docket, we have the 8-9 Titans taking on the 7-10 Saints. Game being played at Caesars Superdome in New Orleans. 1 o'clock kickoff on CBS. The Saints are three-point favorites. Fast fact here, New Orleans has won their four last home openers. Longest streak in franchise history. Now, the Saints are a new look on offense with Derek Carr at the helm. And he has capable offensive weapons at his disposal. Short of suspended Alvin Kamara. They face a Titans team that has still a lot of questions, more questions than the LSAT, and they aren't readily answerable. Derrick Henry will give it a go as usual, but everyone in their brother knows that he will get a ton of work. I have little faith that the Titans passing game will do anything to keep the Saints defense honest and I think Derrick Carr does just enough to get a win. The pick here is New Orleans. Next on the docket, we have the 7-10 Panthers taking on the 7-10 Falcons at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. One o'clock kickoff on Fox. The Falcons are one and a half point favorites. Fast fact here that Falcons quarterback Desmond Ritter has thrown 115 passes to start his career without an interception. You have another pair of middling NFC South teams that going head up in this match. and Maybe we will look back on this in a few years as a first meeting between Young Guns and the Panthers' Bryce Young, the aforementioned Ritter. Both teams are very young, though, and have numerous flaws. I will admittedly go with a fellow alum who I think is on the come up, and I think that Young will have his day, but not today. The pick is Atlanta. Next on the docket, we have the 9-8 Jags taking on 3-12-1 Colts make it part of three thirteen and one Colts. They play. I always mess that number up. Three thirteen and one Colts. Game B, try to go. Next on the docket, we have the nine and eight Jags taking on the three thirteen one Colts at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. One o'clock kickoff on Fox. The Jaguars are five point favorites. And the fast fact here is the Jags have lost their last five visits to Indianapolis. Now, the Jags are suddenly the young team that no one wants to deal with, and they face the hot mess that is the Colts in Indianapolis. While the Jags seem to have everything you could want in a young team on the rise, a dynamic MVP candidate in Trevor Lawrence, a rugged back in Etienne Jr., and an embarrassment of riches at the receiving core which got even more stupid with the acquisition of Calvin Ridley, The Colts are going to be all day trying to guess who's going to get the ball and where it's going to be at. While the Jags' defense can be suspect at times, I'm not thinking they'll have trouble with the punchless Colts offense being even weaker by the absence of Jonathan Taylor. This won't be pretty. The pick here is Jacksonville. Next on the docket, we have the 13-4 49ers taking on the 9-8 Steelers at a Stadium in Pittsburgh, 1 o'clock kickoff on Fox. The 49ers are 2.5-point favorites. Fast fact here, the Niners have not won in Pittsburgh since 1996. This is a fascinating matchup as the Niners make a rare, rare appearance in the Steel City. The Niners have a defense that the Steelers used to have back in the day, rugged units gives up yards and points grudgingly. And adding Javon Hargrave to this unit is borderline criminal. The Steelers have offensive pieces to be sure, but Kenny Pickett is going to have his hands full from the jump dealing with this defense. Brock Purdy will have the luxury that Pickett won't have, not having to face this defense. The pick here is San Francisco. Next on the docket, we have the 4-13 cards, taking on the 8-8-1 Commanders. The game being played at FedEx Field in Land Over Maryland. 1 p.m. kickoff on Fox. The Commanders are 7-point favorites. Now, the fast fact here is if rookie Clayton Toon gets the start, he will be the lowest-drafted rookie quarterback to start the season since the forgettable Randy Hedberg started the 1977 season for the Buccaneers. Now the Cards have already written this season off and the commanders may be the first beneficiary for it. Joshua Dobbs should get the starting knob unless the aforementioned rookie Clayton Toom becomes one of the first two rookies to start the season. Caleb Williams was the Cards who are trying to tank to get and asking either to dodge a withering commander's pass rush that features Chase Young and Montez Sweat is a tall ask. The commanders have all sorts of problems to be sure. Um, problems on the offense, problems on the defense. Uh, Young and Sweat accepted, but they should have enough to slog through the sorry cards defense and offense respectively. The pick here is Washington. Next on the early docket, we have the 8-9 Buccaneers taking on the 13-4 Vikings at U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis, 1 p.m. kickoff on CBS, Note the Network. The Vikings are six-point favorites. A fast fact here is Buck wide receivers Mike Evans has had nine straight 1,000-yard receiving seasons. Now the Vikings are a team in flux. You know that they aren't going to come out aces on 11 one-score games like they did last year but facing an even more influx Bucks team might have been a good break to start the season. The defense should make Bacchus make field look even more like a bum, and the Vikings offense has just enough to get by. So that'll be enough for this week, my confidence ain't real high going forward The pick here is Minnesota. Let's take a take another timeout, come back with the rest of the NFL Week 1 picks. Sports the Littlewood rolls on after this.
1: Is today your last day on Earth because you are being deployed to space tomorrow? Have you just turned 18 and you're ready to get out of your parents' house? Has your granddaughter gotten her boyfriend pregnant? Whatever your reason, you need us at GottaGetMarriedNow.com. We specialize in last-minute weddings. Active duty, military veterans and retired discounts are available. Visit us at GottaGetMarriedNow.com. I want i KJ location for the most honest insight, thorough analysis, and unfiltered opinion on the world of sports. Now, once again, here's the man of the hour, after hours, your host, KJ Green.
0: And on we go with the NFL Week 1 picks, let's turn to the late docket, shall we? Starting off with the 6-11 Raiders, taking on the 5-12 Broncos, game being played at Empower Field at Mile High in Denver. 425 kickoff on CBS, the Broncos are four-point favorites. Fast fact here is the Raiders have won the last six matchups and have yet to lose to the Broncos since moving to Vegas. Now, this used to be a marquee matchup, but now it's a pair of quarterbacks trying to recapture magic that they had on a previous club. Jimmy Garoppolo of the Raiders and Russell Wilson of the Broncos face off and might well be the has-been bowl. And their coaches are trying to make the best of their second jobs as Josh McDaniels of the Raiders is still trying to prove he can coach in this league, while Sean Payton is trying to return to form as the quarterback whisperer. I don't trust either team, to be sure, but I'll gamble on the Broncos still being tough at home, especially against a despised rival, and they are due. The pick here is Denver. Next on the docket, we have the 9-8 Dolphins taking on the 10-7 Chargers at SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, California. 425 kickoff on CBS. The Chargers are three-point favorites. Fast fact here's the dynamic duo Dolphins wideouts. Tyreek Hill set a Dolphins single season receiving record with 1,710 yards, while Jaden Waddle led NFL in yards per reception. Yards, sorry, yards try again. Jaden Waddle led the NFL in yards per reception at 18.1. This is a sneaky good one starting in L.A. as a pair of 2022 playoff teams faced off. Both teams lost tough but winnable playoff road games last year and trying to shake that specter off going forward. The Dolphins are hoping to get a full uninjured season from two Tagovailoa and hoping he can utilize that dynamic receiving core of Hill and Waddle as much as possible. Now, The Chargers have enough offensive weapons of their own to go around Justin Herbert leading the fleet unit with Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, and Mike Williams' go-to guys. Tough call on this one. I think that the scoreboard operator gets a workout to be sure, but the Chargers carry the day at home with an exciting last team with the ball-win shootout. The pick here is Los Angeles. Next on the docket, we have the 14-3 Eagles taking on the 8-9 Patriots at Gillette Stadium in Foxborough, Mass., 425 kickoff on CBS. The Eagles are 3.5-point favorites. Now, fast fact here, you can sleep on the Eagles defense at your own risk. The Eagles became the first team last year to have four different players with double-digit figures in sacks in a season since the sacks became an official statistic in 1982. The Pats are still adjusting to life without a dynamic quarterback at the helm, whether it be Tom Brady or Cam Newton and they hope that Ezekiel Elliott has a few more miles left in those aged legs. He'll face a familiar fault in the Eagles, who are in no no kind of charitable mood still stinging over that close Super Bowl loss. These ain't the bully boy pats of years past, and that fact will be made readily apparent. Mac Jones might be playing for his job on a weekly basis, to be sure, but who's Belichick gonna turn to, to be sure? Nick Sirianni does not have that problem and, and has a plethora of offensive weapons led by Jalen Hurts and that nasty defense that seems to have a nose for the ball. This game might get ugly in a hurry. The pick here is Philadelphia. Next up we have the 8-9 Packers taking on the 3-14 Bears at Soldier Field in Chicago. 425 kickoff on Fox. The Bears are a one-point favorite. Fast fact here this is this the first opener since 1992 that didn't have Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers at the starting quarterback for the Packers. No, it's Jordan Love, who's now in charge of the pack without the specter of Aaron Rodgers hanging over his shoulder. How long will it be before the Pack faithful start carping for the good old days? I think it'll be the first time Love throws a pick that fans will think aaron would make that throw. I don't think there'll be much carping in this matchup facing a Bears team that needs a lot of work. Justin Fields has been put in an untenable position of trying to make a team with multiple flaws look passable. I don't think it happens this week. The pick here is Green Bay. Next on the docket, we have the 5-12 Rams taking on the 9-8 Seahawks at Lumen Field in Seattle. 425 kickoff on Fox. The Seahawks are 5.5-point favorites. Fast fact here is the Seahawks return two 1,000-yard receivers and a 1,000-yard rusher. The Rams were a hot mess as a defending Super Bowl champ and got routinely run over. Facing a tough Seahawks squad in their crib is a formidable task. The question will be, will Geno Smith's 2022 season, was a mirage? Or is Pete Carroll truly a quarterback whisperer? I think it's a little of both, to be honest. I think the Rams are really not that good. And Matthew Stafford is already mentally checking out, especially with the possibility of not having the redoubtable of a Cooper Cup as a, as a handy safety blanket to throw to. The Seahawks are better on both sides of the ball and hella tough at home, and it will show early and often the pick here is Seattle. The Sunday night game is the 12-5 Cowboys taking on the 9-7-1 Giants at MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey. 8-20 kickoff on NBC. The Cowboys are three and a half point favorites. The fast fact here is that the Pokes have won 10 of the last 11 meetings and the last four straight. Now the talk of this should be a dominant team has never been louder about the Pokes. As they start their season in Gotham, facing a G-Men squad, relish being a team once again taken lightly. As long as Saquon Barkley has his health, he makes life miserable for defenses and keeps the pressure off of Daniel Jones. Dak Prescott, for his part, is under immediate and immense pressure to get the Pokes off to a fast start. And with a solid receiving core, he can put up the numbers. And that freewheeling defense, led by the irrepressible Micah Parsons, will need to be accounted for on every play. Everyone thinks that this is the year that the Pokes finally break through. For some reason, I think they find a way to mess up a good thing. The pick here is the New York Giants. That's the Hoodwood Upset of the Week. Our Monday Nighter is the 13-3 Bills taking on the 7-10 Jets. Game being played also at MetLife Stadium. East Rutherford, New Jersey. 8-15 kickoff on ABC and ESPN. Mind that's the Monday Night game. The Bills are two and a half point favorites. Fast fact here is the Jets quarterback Aaron Rodgers has won his last nine Monday Night Football starts. The Bills are the second purported Super Bowl contender in as many nights to start their season in Gotham against a divisional rival. The Jets have a new look with an old quarterback and a swagger that you haven't seen in this squad since the halcyon days of Joe Namath. Aaron Rodgers is under center for the Jets and he looks to get the, the New York team out to a fast start. That said, the Bills are a no-joke squad that keeps feeling like they are getting short shrift when talking about the elite teams in the AFC. And now they're getting looked down on their own division. You wait for the ride in your field impression. No respect, I'm telling you, when you talk about the Bills. As much as I love the Jets' defense, especially an old Bearcat named Sauce, and Rodgers makes the Jets' really legitimate on offense. But I can't buy into the hype. Not just yet. I look at the Bills and I look at this team that there's someone they can still bully with the Bills bullying the Jets and they will grind out an ugly win. The pick here is the Buffalo Bills. Real quick, the next Thursday game is the Vikings at the Eagles. That's a Thursday night game. 8:15 kickoff on Amazon Prime. The line still hasn't been published. I hope I'm wrong, but I hope the I always know that the Vikings uh, stink in primetime. The pick here is Philadelphia. There you have it. Last year, I went 167.98 and 3, 14, and 3 on the box. I am in on the only upset. Let's take our final timeout. Come back with the Hoodwood Hot Five. Dap, dap, head slap, and the final word for the wood. Swords on the Woodwood wood heads down the home stretch after this.
2: Location for no nonsense commentary, insight, and opinions on the world of sports. Here now, live in living color, black by popular demand. Your host, KJ Green, running third and
0: headed for home here in the Hoodwood. As always, we finish up strong with the Hoodwood Hot Five at Dab and Head Slap and the final word from the Wood. The Hoodwood Hot Five, as we established at the end of last season, which was last week. Was the preseason hot five or and the top five college teams, as I see them. Now, one through five may not reflect the AP or the writer's poll, but it's who I think the top five teams are in the country. So, let's get started. Dropping out of the Hoodwood Hot Five, and Buckeye fans may hate me for it and I really don't care, this is one of the Ohio State Buckeyes, who were last week third in the in the Hoodwood Hot Five poll. They defeated Indiana by the paltry sum of twenty-three to three, a team that they have defeated twenty-eight years straight, and felt they were so dominant over they really couldn't get out of their way, and their offense looked pretty much pedestrian, and they struggled mightily against the Hoosiers, though it was a road game, but still. I'm going to punish them and put them out of the poll. Their next game is going to be, their home opener is going to be against the formidable Penguins of Youngstown State. That's on September Saturday, September 9th. So let's get into the top five. Entering the top five after being not ranked, the Florida State Seminoles, who defeated the LSU Tigers 45-24 in Orlando. Their next game is going to be their home opener against Southern Miss. Standing at four, moving up one from five, is the USC Trojans, who defeated Nevada 66-14. Their next game is their is against Stanford, which will be the, their final conference meeting against their Northern California brethren. At number three, we have Alabama. Who's 1-0 after defeating t- Middle Tennessee State 56-7? Their next game is against Texas. Now that's going to be a a real test for the Crimson Tide. They will uh, look to go 2 0 and defeat Texas as they did last year when they beat them in Royal Stadium, Darryl K. Royal Stadium, last year by a 1914 count. At number two, we have Michigan. The Wolverines defeated East Carolina 30 3. And their next game is home is against UNLV. And you say, well, how come you didn't punish Michigan for beating a lesser team like East Carolina, but you punished uh, Ohio State for losing for not, for not beating Indiana 23-3? Because it's my poll to my hot five, who I think is the top five team in the nation. Deal with it. And the number one team in the Hoodwood Hot Five, one know Georgia, who defeated Tennessee Martin, 48-7. Their next game is against Ball State. There you have it. That's my top five. What's yours? And now, let's find out who the fat, dap, head slap of the week is. The fat dap of the week goes to Emery Jones, the erstwhile senior quarterback for my beloved Cincinnati Bearcats, who threw for five touchdowns and ran for two more as the Bearcats shellacked Eastern Kentucky 66-13 in their season opener. The learning curve gets a little steeper for Emory Jones and the Bearcats as they travel to Pittsburgh to take on the Pitt Panthers on September 9th. But, for a Opening debut, going 20, uh, 23 or 27 for 348 yards and five scores, no interceptions. He had more touchdowns than incompletions. Fat dap to the young Bearcat. That's the way you start off. That, that start off your Bearcat career. Our head slap, which I have a pair of them this week. One of them going to a former Bearcat coach, Butch Jones, who is now coach of Arkansas State. Uh, just look at the look at the, the clip. He was aghast at the seventy-three to nothing demolition that they took from Oklahoma. He really expected that you were going to stay with Oklahoma or Arkansas State, not Arkansas. The shellacking was so bad he was seen in tears late in the game. Why are they beating us so bad? Suck it up, coach. There's no crying in football, no crying in baseball, but there's no there's definitely no crying in football, especially when you're getting paid to take an ass whipping like that. Take the check, go home, stop crying. A second head slap of the week goes to Major League Baseball umpire C.D. Bruckner, who had some hard calls, but this one. How do you ring up somebody for an out when it's only their second strike? Tell us. CD? CD? Do you know what's going on? They're just making it easier and easier to make it where they're gonna start having automated umpires calling balls and strikes. They're just making it too easy. It's just sad. It really is. And now without much further ado, let's go to the final word. From the wood. One of my favorite movies, and I'm not much of a movie buff, but one of my favorite movies is the 2000 action flick Romeo Must Die, starring the uh, now later Leah and uh, kung fu martial arts expert Jet Li. Now, one of the subplots in the fairly lengthy movie, which is basically about two families that are basically warring over land turf in the Bay Area, and Aaliyah and Jet Lee are part of these families that end up being intertwined with one another. Um, one of the subplots of the story is the character that plays the father of Aaliyah, the uh, great character actor Delroy Lindo, making the comment um, when he was making acquisitions of Land, saying that he wanted to be in the, he was headed to the quote-unquote owner's box, meaning the owner's box of an NFL team. Now, that never really developed, but, 23 years after this uh, movie was made, it's still more of a movie script than an actuality. Though you do have Magic Johnson trying to break that seal as limit owner of the Washington Commanders, and he has been a, a minority owner of the Los Angeles Dodgers, and previously the Los Angeles Lakers that he was a longtime member of. After Michael Jordan sold his stake in the Charlotte Hornets, there are no minority owners in any period. In any, cut again. There are no minority owners in any sport. Period. Full stop. Now, can there be a breakthrough? The original owner of the now Hornets, they were then the Charlotte Bobcat, Bobcats. Try it again. Can there be a breakthrough? The original owner of the now Charlotte Hornets, when they were the then Charlotte Bobcats, which was a replacement franchise when the first iteration of the Hornets moved to New Orleans in 2002, Bobcats were created and helmed by Former BET founder Bob Johnson in 2004. Johnson owned this team until 2010 when he sold the team to Michael Jordan. When Jordan sold the team earlier this year, there were no minors. There were no. Try it again. When Jordan sold the team earlier this year, there were no minorities as majority owners in any sport. Can that change? And you never know with Magic Johnson hopping from one sport to the other. Byron Allen, who has long been a media impresario, has made offers to buy both the Denver Broncos and was one of the bidders for the Commanders that lost out to Johnson's group. Jay-Z has been a minority owner of the Nets for a few years before selling his 5% stake. And Snoop Dogg was trying to be in an ownership group that was trying to acquire the Ottawa Senators of the NHL. Now, there's been a lot of feints and stabs and, you know, false starts, but let's keep it totally real. Pro Ownership is a rich white boys club. They can determine who's in and who's out. And as it stands now, it would take a massive paradigm shift to make that happen for a minority owner to own a franchise in one of the four major uh, sporting venues. I ho- I can retain hope that it can happen, but as it stands now, the owner's box is still more than a movie script maker's dream than reality. And back is the final word from the wood. Now with the music coming up in the background, you know that means that your time here in the hood is just about done and I thank you so much for your visit. Now, the show's email is kjgreen at sportsfromthehoodwood.com. Please send me emails regarding show topics, both past and future, questions, comments about the show, and both praise and criticism. I welcome your comments and correspondence. We'll try to get back to you as quickly as possible. Now, the show's website is sportsfromthehoodwood.com. That is a back catalog of the show dating back 11 years in both audio and video form. You can check that out if there have been any shows that you may have missed. You can join the debate and conversation on the Sportsman Hollywood page on Facebook. It also has video podcast simulcast, as well as other topics, plenty of stuff I find on the web, and plenty of great sports debate and lots more. I can post often and respond to member posts frequently. Now, the video versions are on YouTube. Please hit that subscribe and smash that like button for more great content. The link to the podcast is also on the show's XP, which will be meeting X here shortly. We will be moving tribal, but we're still in the same name, for with Sports. You have a lot of interesting stuff to find there, and you can comment there, and correspond to the show, and we'll be coming back. The audio version is on Spotify, Amazon Music, Pandora, Google Podcasts, iTunes and Apple, and a host of other fine podcast platforms and providers. Hey, if the hoodwood is not on your favorite podcast platform, please ask for it. Drop me a line, and I will do what I can to get it where on your favorite platform or provider. Special thanks as always, goes out to Rage Pictures for their continued assistance in production and website development. So that's it from the Hoodwood, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Until next time, fellow sports fans, I'm KJ Green,
2: Thirty Sports from the Hoodwood is a Black Bandit Productions and Enterprises presentation of a 551 Audio and Films Production.